episode of Everything Aesthetics. I am your host, Gabrielle Okre. You can find me on Instagram at Woodbury Wax Bar. And today I'm really excited to bring you this episode that I've kind of been talking about doing for a while. This is the hiring episode. As some of you might already know, I hired my first employee on the 1st of January. And I wanted to do this episode because I think there might be other people in my position who are ready to make the transition from being a solo esthetician, a solo waxer, working alone in a studio suite or inside of a salon. People who are ready to make the transition from being solo to having an employee. So I wanted to make this episode and just kind of go over everything that I went through during this transition and hopefully bring some insight to people who are looking to do the same thing. Disclaimer, I am not a tax or legal professional. The following information is not to be used as tax or legal advice. I am simply sharing my own experience bringing in my first employee. Please consult a tax professional or lawyer for assistance. I feel like I had to say that because I don't want to get in trouble for oh, you said this in your episode and now I'm in trouble with the IRS. Like, I'm not <laughs> I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just telling you what I did and what worked for me. So please contact your CPA or a business lawyer if you have questions on specifics for you. Also, a lot of this, I mean, some things might vary state to state. So I don't know about the rules and laws in your state. I can only speak to what I did and what works for me. So let's get into it. As far as the timeline, I posted my ad on Indeed in November, in like early to mid-November. I knew I wanted to take my time with this process because I wanted to be really picky about the person that I brought into my business. Um, My clients are very used to seeing me. They're used to like who I am as a person, the kind of service that I give them, the energy that I give off during their appointments. And I wanted to take my time in going through candidates and really find somebody that I felt was going to be able to come in to this position. And my clients were going to be able to see either one of us and know that they were going to get the same service with the same products by an employee or a person who's trained to do things the same way and give them the same results no matter who they see in my business. I put out my Indeed ad in November and then every single person who applied who I thought could potentially be a good fit for the job, you know, they're licensed, they have maybe some work experience, you know, just going through their resume, if I felt like they could potentially be a good fit, I would set up a phone screen with them. I feel a little bit lucky because before I became an esthetician, I worked for a company where part of my job was to phone screen and set up in-person interviews for new applicants. So I've already done phone screens in like my past work history. So doing these phone screens was absolutely no big deal. I made a list of like six or seven important questions. Um, A couple of those things on the list of questions for the phone screen were things like work experience, education, what their favorite part of being an esthetician was, and then the most important thing for me to ask during a phone screen was where they see themselves in five years. I am not personally interested in bringing in anybody who wants to open their own business in the next 12 to 24 months. Um, It's one thing for somebody to have an entrepreneurial mindset and to like be thinking 
about things and taking things into consideration the way that a business owner might. Um, but I'm not trying to be EWC where people just come in for the training and then leave to start their own solo suite eight weeks later. Like I, that's not what I'm trying to be. And I know that things change for people over time. And if I hire somebody and, you know, a couple of years later, they decide that they're ready to start their own thing. Like I'm happy about that. That's fine. I just, I'm not looking to have like the turnover, if that makes sense. So that was a really important question for me. And I even put that in my ad copy when I wrote the job description for Indeed. I wrote the last line of the job description said, if you own your own business, please do not apply. because I'm not looking for anybody to just learn what they can from me and then take it immediately back to their own thing. And then based on how the phone screen went, I decided whether or not I wanted to bring that person in for a formal interview. I did in-person interviews with about six people. I phone screened like 15 people. So I wanted to be really, really picky, which I think is a good thing. I didn't want to rush into hiring somebody just to hire them and then realize six weeks in that I had made a mistake, they weren't a good fit, I wasn't happy or they weren't happy or my clients weren't happy. So I think taking your time is a really, really important thing to do. The next thing I want to talk about, I guess, is that it's very important to know what type of person you're looking to bring on in terms of whether you are looking to hire an actual employee, which means you're hiring this person on a W-2, or if you're looking to bring on an independent contractor, which means a 1099. I know that there's a lot of confusion and like you can ask this in a Facebook waxing forum and get 30 different answers. So you really need to talk to a business consultant, like a lawyer, a business lawyer, a CPA, do some research of your own and figure out the differences between bringing in an employee versus an independent contractor. I personally was not interested in bringing somebody on on a 1099. I hired an actual employee, which means a W-2, and what that means is that I get to dictate everything (laughs) that they do. I'm a little bit of a control freak, so this works best for me and makes the most sense to me. I'm in charge of everything from acceptable attire to how their social media looks, to the products that they're using during services, to the hours that they work, to the services they're allowed to provide, to like everything. I get to control everything, (laughs) which makes me really happy. A lot of people want to hire on a 1099. I think the pros of doing it that way and getting an independent contractor are that it's a lot less paperwork and a lot less hassle, especially from like a tax and legal standpoint. But when you bring on somebody as a 1099, that means that they're an independent contractor and that person is then responsible for themselves. They can have their own branding. They can work under their own LLC. They're supposed to use their own supplies, run their own ads, all of it. I think a lot of people choose this option because it's more simple right out the gate. Like I said, especially from a tax and legal standpoint as a business owner, it's a lot simpler to hire on a 1099, but I feel like it can cause a lot more problems in the long run because you don't have control over what this person is doing. Really, you don't have full control. And I wasn't interested in bringing in like Lovely Lashes by Vanessa located inside of Woodbury Wax Bar. Like, no, the person that I hired, I wanted to be an employee of Woodbury Wax Bar who works for me and they don't have to worry about what brand of tint were you using or where they're going to get their developer or how they're going to find more clients to fill their schedule. All of that falls on me as the employer. So I think that's a really important distinction to make. And then when it comes to like what, because when you get a job, especially in this field, a lot of places will make you sign a non-compete. I talked a little bit about this in my third episode that I did with Britt. I don't personally believe in non-competes. 
I think they're fear-based and they usually don't hold up in court anyway. A non-compete is something that an employer will make you sign saying like, you're not allowed to leave here and then open your own business within a certain mile radius or you're not allowed to get another job even as an esthetician in a certain mile radius. I don't personally believe in those, but I did have my employee sign a non-solicitation, which means she is not allowed to go out and contact customers of my business because they're not her customers. They are Woodbury Wax Bar customers. So I did have her sign a non-solicitation and an NDA, which is a non-disclosure agreement, which means that she's going to be hearing proprietary information that is specific to Woodbury Wax Bar during the course of her job. And she's not allowed to repeat that information to clients or to anybody, essentially. An NDA essentially means you can't say anything about anything to anyone. Just from a cover my own ass standpoint, I thought that was important. And then from there, I personally typed up a 16 page <laughs> employee handbook, which I know that sounds crazy, but it covered everything from a legal and liability standpoint to an operational standpoint, like everything from my mission and vision statements to benefits, days off, protocols, codes of conducts, codes of ethics, everything. I could have easily had this done for me through LegalZoom for like $50 but I decided to do it myself in order to, I just really wanted to be sure that I knew every single part of what I was having her sign and what was being communicated as standard for my business. I just kind of felt like if I had LegalZoom do it for me, I would just send it to her, she would sign it, and then I would file it. I just really wanted to have like an intimate understanding of what I was saying about my own business. So that is what I did next. And then I wanted to go over some of the other things that you need to have in order before you hire someone. Somebody. Hey guys, I'm interrupting this episode really quickly to talk about the new course that I just released called Going Solo. If you've been listening to the podcast, you already know that I feel very passionately about the fact that being an entrepreneur isn't for everyone, and that's okay. But if you feel like opening your own business is the path for you, then this course can help you do that in a realistic way. This course is perfect for anyone who has recently graduated from aesthetic school or those who are working in a bigger salon or spa setting or in a chain location and are thinking about going out on their own. It's also great for estheticians who have recently opened their own spot and maybe just aren't seeing the type of growth that they need to keep their doors open. Plus, it's super affordable no matter where you're at in the process. Going Solo is guidance for the practical side of opening an independent aesthetics space and what that looks like in the real world. We cover six major topics, including selecting a space, building a clientele, marketing and social media, and so much more. Plus, there's bonus content on business management and the basics of what you need in order to successfully manage the back end of your aesthetics business. Right now, you can get $10 off the price of the course by using coupon code PODCAST10. Head to woodburywaxbar.com slash going solo right now to get $10 off your guide to opening an independent aesthetic space today. Thanks so much for listening. Now back to the episode. You need to be a business entity like an LLC or a corporation, you need to have both federal and state tax ID numbers, not just a federal EIN. You need an employment offer letter and agreement for them to sign. You have to have your legal forms in order, like a W-4 and their I-9. Also the things that I had my employee sign, like an NDA, non-solicitation, that sort of thing. You need to have an employee handbook and a training manual. You have to get workers' compensation insurance, which I got mine through a local insurance agent who has been super 
super, super helpful. I recommend getting a couple of quotes for workers' comp insurance because the rates I found can vary pretty drastically. You need to set up with your state department of labor and then report. They have a new hire reporting form on their website usually. So you need to report the new hire through the department of labor. Um, you have to get it set up with your state unemployment insurance fund. This is the biggest pain in the ass of like the whole thing because with the unemployment insurance, I found that you can't get your unemployment insurance number as an employer until you run your first payroll, but you need the unemployment insurance number in order to run payroll. <laughs> so welcome to our government. It doesn't make any sense and it was a huge pain in the ass. You need to figure out who is going to do your payroll, like who you're going to use for payroll services, and then pay your payroll taxes on your behalf. You need to figure out how often you're going to pay this person, if you're paying them hourly versus commission, if you're going to pay them weekly or every other week, and then how you're going to record their hours and services. There's different programs that can do this for you. If you're commission-based, you need to not only record like the hours that they work, but also the exact services they perform. And then you also need to track their tips so that you can give them their tips too, obviously. Some booking platforms like Vagaro can help you with tracking hours and obviously services and tips and stuff, but then you still have to export those hours to your payroll system. So make sure that whatever you're using communicates back and forth with your payroll. You have to make sure your new hire is properly insured for things like professional liability insurance. Either get them covered under your policy that you should already have or get them their own individual policy. And I just want to say here too that you have to know that bringing in your first employee is likely going to cost you money. <laughs> it is not cheap to do all of this stuff just with insurance premiums and the time and the effort that you're putting in. I mean, I've easily spent an extra 40 hours like just getting everything set up to bring in an employee. So you have to know that bringing on your first employee is going to cost you money in the short term. But this is also means that you're going to lose clients because some of your clients are going to end up booking with your new employee. You're going to lose hours for yourself because you're giving those hours and those clients to your employee. You're going to be running ads to promote their services. You're going to be taking time out of your schedule and life to properly train this person. So yes, it's going to cost you money in the short term. If you do not have a good handle on your bookkeeping, your income versus expenses, your profit and loss statements, and you're not at least 80 to 90% fully booked every single week, I would not personally recommend bringing on an employee. If you're not 80 to 90% full, you don't have the client base to bring somebody in and have that person be making money. Nobody's going to want to continue to work for you if they're not making money because what's the point? <laughs> so if you're not full enough to bring in an employee, you have to focus on getting yourself full first. When you hire, it is now your responsibility to get that person booked. Just like when you first opened and you first went on your own, it was your responsibility to get yourself booked. Now it's the same thing, but you're hustling for them. This also might be different if you're not bringing on an actual employee, but you're bringing on a 1099 because then they are responsible for themselves, which is why you will see a lot of people who are interested in bringing on a 1099 or even a subleaser say must have a clientele. When you bring on somebody as an actual employee, it's your job to provide them a clientele. So that's a key difference, I feel like. Ad campaigns and marketing dollars are huge when you first bring somebody in. Right now I'm spending over $400 a month in targeted paid ads through Facebook and Google, and I'm going to increase that. Going into spring break, going into summer, I want as many eyeballs as humanly possible on my business because that means more bookings for my employee. If you're sitting there thinking to yourself, this sounds like a pain in the ass, that's because it is. It is a huge pain in the ass to bring in your first employee and to set up up all of these things. It's just 
hard. There's a lot of people out there who have employees working for them and it's kind of glorified to be like start building your team, start bringing people in, which is great and I love to see like people expanding and thriving, but I feel like nobody talks about how big of a pain in the ass it is to get all of this set up and then to lose money right away when you first hire somebody. Um so I just feel like these are all good things to keep in mind. It it sounds like a pain in the ass because it is. The upfront workload of bringing on an actual employee is a lot. But for me personally, I know that it's worth it and I can already see that turnaround happening because I can still be providing services to clients and most importantly, making money when I'm not in the treatment room, which is my ultimate goal. I need for me in my business, I need to find ways to continually generate revenue without having to be in my room physically waxing in person. So I, uh, I hope this has been helpful to somebody. I, again, just want to state that I am not a tax professional. I'm not a CPA. I'm not a lawyer. So if you have questions about specifics and how this can apply to you, you need to consult the proper individuals and not me personally. This is just what has worked for me and how things have been going for me. Personally, I also feel like I got really lucky in hiring Lily because she is wonderful. She has a great work ethics. She asks questions when she doesn't know things. She's super trainable. She's been a full body waxer for almost two years, so she she has great waxing skills already. She's really passionate about doing brows, and I hired her primarily as a brow artist, and my clients love her. She's been getting all five-star reviews. It's really rewarding to see that because I did put so much effort in the front end of bringing this person in, so for me personally, it, it is starting to already pay off, and she's only worked for me now for like exactly a month. So I hope this has been helpful to somebody somehow. If you have questions about what I did, please feel free to send me a message, send me an email. But again, I can't help you with the legal or tax portion of it. Yeah, so that's pretty much it. I guess I also wanted to say the culture of my business is really important for me and that's why it took me so long to like phone screen all these people and then in-person interview all of them and kind of kind of weed people out. Um, it's never easy to send that follow-up email and be like, hey, thank you so much for your interest, but we've gone in a different direction. Wishing you all the best. Um, that's never an easy email to send, but I had to be able to do that. I have a very specific vision for what I'm trying to create in my business and the type of leader and boss that I'm trying to be. Because aesthetics is a second career for me, I have worked under a lot, a lot of bad bosses, which, and they've all taught me things, which is wonderful, but I know exactly who I don't want to be as a boss and a leader and a manager and a supervisor. So bringing in somebody who I felt like fit the right energy and had the potential to grow into the culture that I'm trying to create was one of the most important things to me. So anyway, I guess I'll just wrap it up here. Thank you all so much for listening. This episode has been a while in the making, so I hope again that it is somehow helpful and I will catch you all later. Thanks for listening.